thanks for dialing into our podcast. We're the Light Church Bradford here in Yorkshire, England, a church committed to following Jesus and loving our city back to life again. We truly hope and pray this week's message helps you and encourages you on your journey, especially in these really challenging times. I hope you found some interesting information out about the people that are sat nearby. It is my pleasure to invite Rachel up um, to give us what God has been on her heart. But before I give you the mic, um, I will pray for you. Um, So Father, we just thank you for Rachel and the word that you have given her to, um, to share with the rest of us today, Father, that we would have receptive ears, receptive hearts for what your spirit is doing in this church. And Father, we just thank you for this prophetic voice in our church, Lord, that you have been speaking to Rachel about where we are going and um, yeah, just making it such an exciting next step into um, the next chapter of the Light Church. And so, Father, just pray for this morning, Lord, that um, yeah, you would just be channeled through Rachel's voice and um, yeah, Father, that you would um, confidently share exactly what it is that you have said to Amen. Thank you. Amen. Great to be here. Great to see so many of you. There's loads more people that I haven't seen yet or haven't met yet. So I think there's some new people in the room. Just want to say a massive welcome. And yeah, know that you are very welcome here. And new kids as well. I noticed a lot of new kids today. So your kids are very welcome as well. What a beautiful day, (laughs) right? (laughs) It's so nice. These days are like some of my favorite days. So great to be here and just praying that you would know that God is here with us and smiling and everything that we're going to chat about, God's spirit is just all over it. So if you are new here, or if you weren't here last week, we started a series focusing on Nehemiah and Ezra. And Kiri did a brilliant job of just summarizing that. So I'm not going to go that sense that as we come to the end of this year, And as we've been blessed amazingly to buy and refurbish this building, this prophetic sense that God is leading us into the new for next year. And so we're working our way through Ezra and Nehemiah and really trying to understand what God is saying to us as individuals, but as a church all together in this season. And last week, I really feel we asked, didn't we, that the Spirit of God would just hover over where we were sat and I really felt that that's what was happening and those people that were for ministry time at the end of the service and as we worship together as a church I really just felt that something is starting to shift in us as we get used to being and as we bring what we're journeying as individuals to his feet God is moving in us he's moving in our personal circumstances he's moving in us as a church And so I'm just going to pray again. God, we know that you're here. Father, we know that you've been with us all morning. And God, we're asking that your spirit just hovers right where we are, Father. And we would learn what you have for us. We would know those words that you have for us. God, you would speak to our individual lives but you'd also continue to do something incredible with this church for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to take a look at the first three chapters in Nehemiah. And you might think, hang on a minute, that's a completely different book to Ezra and where we ended up last week. 
But these books are so intertwined. They come as a pair, really. And at the exact same time that God's spirit was stirring in the book of Ezra, leading his people to come and rebuild the temple, God's also speaking to Nehemiah and leading him to return to build the wall. So two different authors, but at the exact same point in God's story. So we're going to read from Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2, and the scripture will be behind me, but if you want to read it along in your own version, that's fine. So it says, As I was in the citadel, Hanai, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them who had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant is there in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, its gates are destroyed by fire. And as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, why is your face sad seeing that you're not sick? This can only be the sadness of heart. And then I was very afraid. I said to the king, why shouldn't my face be sad when the city lies in ruins? I prayed to the God of heaven and said, if it pleases the king, send me that I may rebuild it. And he granted me what I asked for, for the good hand of my God was upon me. So I went to Jerusalem and was there for three days. I arose in the night and told no one what God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. Then I said, you see the trouble that we're in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. And then they said, let us rise up and build. And so they strengthened their hands for the good work. So we're going to stop there before we get to chapter three. And we're just going to unpack those bits first. And don't you just feel for Nehemiah, what an emotional start to this amazing book. You can feel the heaviness, can't you, of his sadness and his frustration. He's picturing his city completely torn down and in ruins, left unbuilt for decades, only to keep safe the remnant of the people that are there. And his heart is broken. In that instant, his heart is broken. And I want to start off this morning by talking to us about moments of sadness and moments of discontent. Two very seemingly negative things, but when you work through them before God, they are huge growth areas for us personally, and they have massive potential for his kingdom. Nehemiah is well and truly having one of those moments where he's completely consumed with his sadness and frustration. But when I think about Nehemiah, I don't think hopeless, I think faith-filled. And I don't think downcast, I think determined. 
And I don't think wallower. I think pioneer. And to me, Nehemiah has what we sometimes refer to as a pioneering spirit within him. And one of the things that seem to characterise pioneers or change makers are these moments of discontent, deep, agitating, heartbreaking moments of discontent where the existing state of things or the status quo is just not okay. And for someone who's following God, then these are often moments of holy discontent. And holy discontent is not a negative thing. It's a really powerful thing. And it usually drives forward some momentous shifts in the kingdom of God. Fifteen months, roughly, give or take, we've had in various lockdowns, haven't we? And for those of you that have been down south for half of lockdown, you might not realise that Bradford was pretty much kind of locked down for... And we went into local lockdowns and tier threes and fours and whatever else. We just didn't get out, did we? (laughs) And I think I've said this before, but for me, it was like a big stop moment. And my eyes and my ears have just been opened a little bit more to the world around us. And when the busyness stopped for me, I heard and I started to hear God's heartbeat more clearly. And some of the result of that is that I'm noticing that I'm journeying discontent and sadness and frustration way more than I ever have done. Like I am a super positive person, like 99.9% of the time I am super positive. So it's really rare for me to kind of dip into that. But I've noticed it as we've been coming out of lockdown, I've noticed I'm frustrated, I'm sad at things, I'm listening to things that when they're put in front of me, I'm thinking, oh, this isn't okay, what do I do with that? And if you think over the last two years, what's been highlighted to us in our news and on our social media and all of that, there's been some really big things that have come up, haven't they? Absolutely loads of big stuff, hard for us to hear, hard for us to work out what on earth we do with those when we hear them and this is a bit of a silly story so I don't really know whether to laugh or cry at this but a couple of weeks ago I had to come down the stairs to the living room and um, my husband Joe was just sat watching tv and I just had to be like Joe I've just had a massive cry because there's 150 species going extinct every day and I'm just so sad that the animals are dying and it's kind of it's kind of like you want to laugh at that but it's also kind of really sad as well isn't it and I've never I've never kind of been there before but I'm just journeying that sadness and what about in the aftermath of the whole George Floyd thing? I remember our daily prayer group we really prayed through that and just what was happening in around the world and That whole time, I just felt that there was this big wound that had been exposed in the earth, almost like I could, like a deep purple amethyst crystal. You know, when you look into the middle of those crystals and it's deep and it's, oh, it's so hard. It's this wound. And we cried and cried and cried and cried and prayed. And just these things are hard. And what I'm trying to say is that sometimes I think it's okay to not be okay. And sometimes in our personal circumstances or when we're looking at the world, these things are hard for us. And last week, as we went through the book of Ezra, at the end of that, Ray had a word for us about God being with us in times of joy and in times of great sadness. And God sees and he knows 
He knows what it feels like. He knows what it's like to be alive in this world today. And when we feel those moments, the big question is, what are we going to do with them? When we feel that sadness, when we feel that holy discontent, what are we going to do with it? Let me tell you a little bit more about the city that we live in. So we've got these stats that are going to come up on the screen. So out of 317, we are the 13th most deprived local authority in England. This one's a really interesting one. I didn't realise this one. We are the youngest city in the UK. So 26.3% of our population are under 18, but one third of our children are living in poverty. On average, there are only 0.69 jobs available for every person looking. And 11.4% of our population are claiming an out-of-work benefit, which is way higher than the national average. At the peak of lockdown last year, over 45,000 food parcels were given in one day from local food banks and collectives all across the city. That is massive, isn't it? Nehemiah uses this word derision to describe how people view Jerusalem at that time. And it means contemptuous ridicule or mockery. And we all know, don't we, that Bradford is a city that suffers derision from other cities locally or nationally, even actually, so I've been in Bradford all my life, even from the people that live in it. Quite often Bradford is like a mocking thing, isn't it? Like, oh, it's just Bradford. It suffers derision from, from us and we even live in it. Those stats are just a handful a quick grab across a broad range of issues that we know are way more complex and difficult when we start to look closer. But it's not okay, is it? It's really hard for us to hear. Our city, just like Nehemiah's, is not functioning well. It's in ruins. It's in desperate need of repair and for God's kingdom to come. And only God can change these things. It's only with God's spirit. And yet we sit right here in a moment right now where God has called us out of our lockdown exiles. He's pouring in miraculous blessings to us as a church. And his Holy Spirit is leading and hovering into the new. God, what are you saying to us as a church family? Holy discontent at the status quo can be a beautiful thing when it is in the loving hands of other. If we know how to work that through with him. And Nehemiah gives us just a brilliant example of how to bring your holy discontent to God. So let's take a look at what he does. And this sounds really obvious, but the first thing is pray. The first thing he does is pray and bring it all before God. And he's praying and he's contending. And what I mean by contending is, you know, when you just get a bit of that like, like Holy Spirit authority, like this isn't okay, I'm bringing this and I'm crying and I'm on my knees and this just God, just do something. It's a passionate prayer and you can read his prayer in full from verse five in chapter one and I really encourage you to do that at some point this week. And what you'll see is that as he's passionately praying, faith just comes alive. Nehemiah is someone who knows the character of God that he's praying to. 
He knows the scriptures about him and he draws upon both of those things as he contends before God. And yesterday I went for a walk and I just sat in our local park and just enjoyed the breeze and spent some time praying there. And God led me to Jeremiah 31. And as I was reading Jeremiah 31, I realized that this is the prophecy. This is the word of God where God is talking about what he's going to promise them back when they come back from exile. And again, I really encourage you to read Jeremiah 31 after this because it's so moving. You see the heart of God for his people. You see his promises to his nation and how he's going to bring them back and establish them. In verse 8 and 9, it says this. This is God speaking. I will bring them from the land of the north and gather. A great throng of them will return. I will lead them beside streams of water on a path where they will not stumble because I am Israel's father. And one of the things that I love most about the Old Testament is just how much the Father's heart shines through for his children and for his people. And Nehemiah knows this. Nehemiah knows this about God. And so it comes out when he prays. And you know that if you know your God, if you know who it is that made you, if you've learned the words in your Bible, then whatever life throws at you, as you pour it all out and pray, your hardest moments of heartbreak are going to become some of your biggest faith builders. And this is powerful, powerful stuff that not only has an impact in the human realm, but in the spiritual one as well. And some of us need to remember that spending time with God in that secret place and knowing our Bibles will literally equip us to conquer in every situation. Don't let the pull back to busyness and the illusion that the past was the best that we could have had. Take your gaze away from the future that God has to, you to step into. If, you've got, if you're journeying any brokenness today, bring it to Jesus and watch him make something wonderful out of it. The next thing that we see Nehemiah do is conquer his fears. At the time of this story, Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king. So for anyone in here thinking that you have to be a pioneering leader stepping out for God, you have to be head of a massive Fortune 500 company to step out for God, then remember Nehemiah. He's essentially working as a servant when he steps out for God. So this isn't about status and what the world labels you. This is about getting your heart in line with a God who loves you and listening to his Holy Spirit as you think about stepping out into the new year. Back then, kings had an incredible amount of power. So a king could decide, if he'd been remotely offended, a king could decide to execute somebody. Or put someone in prison, didn't they? So when Nehemiah says that he's terrified, it is with valid reason. But the Spirit of God is always stronger than the fear of the what ifs of the future. 
And buoyed up on his powerful prayer, Nehemiah shares what God's put in his heart. And he shares that he wants to go and build the wall and he's being called back to his city. And amazingly, because God's spirit is at work, God uses another king to bless and provide for that journey. And we know as a church that our king has been blessing and providing for our journey. And I don't think Nehemiah would have had as much boldness as he had and spent that powerful prayer time with God. So again, there's something in there for us around where we're spending our time and how much we're spending it with the Father. But there's also something there for us around fear. And there might be some of you in here and you know that you've been living under fear for a long time that fear has held you back from the promises of... And I believe that God would say to you this morning that he wants to take that off you. He doesn't want you to be living under fear any longer. He wants to lift that burden. So finally, what do we see Nehemiah do? Rooted in prayer and having overcome his fear, it's then time for him to step out. And when Nehemiah steps out, he makes his way to Jerusalem. One of the first things he does is take time to inspect all the walls, see what's missing and see where the gaps are. And last week, we started to share a prophetic sense that we've had as a leadership team that as we've prayed and worshipped and celebrated every miraculous outpouring of blessing, from God to buy and renovate this space. We've also had this sense of God, keep pouring it out. Keep pouring it out. Don't let your blessings stop to seek him and to push in for more, to push in for the fullness of what he's doing in this church. And if you were here last week, you'd have heard us start to talk about the story in 2 Kings chapter 4, where the widow goes and get loads of glass jars and God keeps pouring in oil and the blessing only stops when the glass jars run out. And you can see on our table here, these are our glass jars and we're going to come back to that in a minute. But we've been really encouraged as a leadership team over the last couple of weeks to think about where our gaps are to think about as we go into building and rebuilding and pioneering next year, where are the gaps? God, we're seeking the fullness of your blessing that you're pouring out for us. So when we get to chapter three, and I absolutely love this chapter, Nehemiah, he's inspected all the gaps. He rallies the people. At the end of chapter two, it says the people strengthened their hands for the good work. And that's exactly where we are now. In the end, I titled this sermon, For the People. We have been called to be part of this church in this city for such a time as this. We are his kingdom bringers. And Jesus wants us to be his co-workers in his vision that he has for the city. He doesn't want to do this without us. And I can't tell you, as your church pastors, just how much we believe in you guys, each and every one of you. And if there's only one thing that you remember from this whole talk, 
Let it be this, that it's our desire to come alongside you and see you thrive in God and who God has made you to be. And we are so for you. And we're here to journey all of life's highs and lows. We're here to celebrate. We're here to mourn with you. We celebrate and just rejoice over the spirit of God that is living in you. And we really believe what it says in Corinthians 12, where it talks about different parts making up one body with Christ at the head. And we're just sometimes in awe of the amazing personalities and giftings and characteristics that we've got in this room, that who God has brought to this church for this moment. And I just want to say, watch what he does with it. Watch what God does with it. As we continue to move in the spirit, as we continue to come alongside you, to release you in those giftings, to fan that flame that God has already given you, watch what God does with it. And as we start to minister to each other and as we go forward into next year with each other, watch how he does with it, watch what he does with it, watch how he uses you. And all the time as a leadership team, we're praying, God, more of what you're doing more of what you're doing. Don't let the blessings stop. Nehemiah chapter 3, what a beautiful picture of God's kingdom people all working together for one kingdom. And some of you might be sat here thinking, yeah, but I'm not a pioneer. I'm not a leader. I don't have any of that drive in me. Let me challenge you that if you really believe that God has seen you being knit together before you were born and you believe that he holds all of your timings, he knows your beginning from your end, then you need to realise that he made you to be alive for this exact season in 2021. And whether God leads you to build a monumental national landmark like we saw from Richard Gamble last week, or whether you follow Jesus to take a bit of cake round to your neighbour, both are so important for the kingdom of God. You are important for the kingdom of God. You are important as part of his church here in Bradford. You were called for such a time as this. And our church is being raised and blessed for such a time as this. And we can't do this without you guys our roles really are to support you guys, to release you guys, to grow and deepen your faith so that you can be kingdom bringers and city changers. And we're so for you. Let's take a look at Nehemiah chapter 3. Now this, if you've read this before, this goes on for ages. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. <laughs> but it is powerful. So this is like my paraphrase. It says, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. The sons of Hanessa built the fish gate, and next to them, Merimoth repaired. Next to them, Uziel, the goldsmith, repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Rephia, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, they repaired. 
Next to them, Jediah, son of Harampah, repaired up opposite his house. Malijah and Hashab repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Next to him, Shalom, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. And it goes on and on and on and on. People with all kinds of different roles, people with all kinds of different statuses, equipped in all kinds of different ways, coming together to rebuild the wall and step out and do something for God's kingdom in that city. And it's so beautiful and it's so empowering and honouring and humbling that each person pouring in their time giving of their resources to repair those gaps. And this is what God has built in you. And this is why he's built us all together for such a time as this. And I'm going to ask Mark to just come up and play some music behind us because we've covered a lot there. And we're going to just have a bit of moment of time to reflect and think about what God might be saying to us individually. I mentioned earlier that the reality is for us to start working on where God is leading us. We really need to see an increase in our regular giving. You will have likely seen by now that my heart is so for our children and our young people. Man, I am so like sold out for them to meet Jesus and know Jesus and grow in Jesus. But there are gaps all over that ministry that I can't fill because I can't get there with the time that I've got. And we are desperately looking for a children and youth lead to just give our best to that ministry area. But bluntly put, the trustees, they're not going to green light this role until we've seen an increase in our regular giving. But it's not just that role. We're now seeking God for a building transformation project manager and an operations manager to just make this space sing for Jesus and get it running all smoothly. How amazing would it be that as the trustees meet on the 1st of December, they're absolutely blown away by a surge in our regular giving like we haven't seen before. And you know, we wouldn't be doing this as a church leadership team. We wouldn't be doing this so soon after raising the deposit money for this building if we didn't really have this sense of God leading us to be bold, leading us to keep bringing jars. This is about the fullness of his blessing for us this year. And we don't want to walk in burden. We want to walk in blessing in 2022. God is pouring his favour into this church right at this moment and we're all part of that. And this is such an exciting time for us. So you'll see under your chairs, you've got a couple of forms and I'm going to talk us through them one by one and then we're going to spend some time having a think. So this is the form that you want, I want you to find first. <clears throat> this is your giving envelope. And I'm going to talk us through it. So we've recently changed our bank account. So everybody, whether you're a regular giver, you're already tithing or not, needs to take a look at this form because there's some new details on there. 
For those people that have been tithing to the church for a long time, we are so thankful for you. We are so thankful. We are blessed daily by what you pour into this ministry. But we want to take a minute to ask if you would like to increase that tithe. And you can see just about here, there's a spot for you to do that. For those of you that have been thinking about starting to tithe here for a while, but maybe you never got round to it, then maybe this is your moment and you can just have that time with God to think about, would you like to start that? You've got space to put in your details. And Alan, our amazing finance, are you manager or operations manager or finance? Finance, finance whiz kid. <laughs> He's very happy to process all of these. So the information that you put on, he will process those. But for those of you that have online banking, you might want to take that out and just fill in your online banking now. And if you do that, we're asking that you would still put a little note on here because in a minute I'm going to get you to bring these forms and put them in the jars. And we just want to see what to expect if you've done it in your online banking. Now, I know that there will be people in here that maybe giving tithing extra or tithing for the first time is a real struggle and a stretch. And I want you to know that we see you and there is no pressure here. This is just about where God is leading you. And if you're here for the first time, then again, please don't feel the pressure here. We have amazingly had some new people join church that have blessed us already. So if you know that you've just started your giving, please again, don't feel the pressure here just as God leads you. So we're going to have a think about those forms and ask if this is part of our way to rebuild that wall. And when you've had a think and you've... Um, worked through those forms there's a couple of jars on there and one of the labels is a regular giving increase and we're going to ask that you just come and put that form in the jar if you want to go away and think about it next week you can and there'll be opportunity to pour in again next week but we just want to see if we can capture anything that God's doing here today in addition to this so as you come up to the table you've now got one of these bits of paper on your chair. Can everybody see one of those? So these are our empty jars. These are what we're bringing before God. So as you come up and you bring your form, you've got a couple of post-it notes and there's post-it notes on the table. You might really sense that God is speaking to you about one of our empty jars these are the areas that as a leadership team we've identified we need God to bless us in. And if you feel led in a certain area, you can write your name on a post-it note and just stick your post-it note in the jar. So let's just give this time to God. So there will be some movement in the room and that's okay. Mark's going to keep playing. Nobody's looking at you. This is about you and God and where God is leading you and putting a name in a jar doesn't mean that you're committing it just means we're going to walk that through and pray with you and you're indicating you would like to explore that opportunity with God so let's just take a few minutes and as Mark plays come and have a look at the empty jars on the table come and have a think about where God is leading you and then we're going to finish with a song to close and a bit of ministry time 
This is a really beautiful time for us as a church. And these jars will be here next week as well. So if you want to go away and think and pray, that's all okay. This is about what God is doing in you and how we're all going to pull together for his vision. So we're going to go into a final song. And this is our space. If you know that God has really pressed something on your heart and you'd like some prayer, then please come forward. I'll be here at the front if you want some prayer. The other members of the leadership team are here. We'd love to pray for you. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, you made it to the end. That's even more encouraging. If you'd like to find out more about who we are, visit our website at thelightchurch.org.uk. We pray God's blessing on you now as you go into the rest of your day.